0: Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. We have a wonderful surprise guest today. Um, you've heard of her, I'm sure she travels the world preaching about Jesus and the healing power of the Eucharist is she's Sister Breege McKenna, who was born, I'll introduce her before we, um, before we welcome her. Sister was born in County Armagh, Ireland and entered the Sisters of St. Clair when she was 15. Following her final vows and after suffering for more than three years with rheumatoid arthritis, at the age of 24, Sister was miraculously and instantaneously healed during the celebration of the Eucharist. Sometime later, she received the gift of healing for which she has become so widely known. In 1974, while, while praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the Lord gave Sister a powerful revelation of the priesthood and what it means for a man to be ordained. It was clear that Jesus wanted her to lead priests back to God. For 45 years, Sister Briege and Father Kevin Scallon have been ministering to priests around the world, rekindling their faith and joy in Jesus Christ and their mission to bring his mercy, love, and compassion to his children. Sister's book, Miracles Do Happen, has been translated into many languages throughout the world. And so with that, um, I want to say hello and welcome to Sister Breege McKenna, who's on the line from Florida. Sister, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much, Joan. I'm so happy to to be able to share with you and with the
1: listeners thank you sister we are more than overjoyed to have you I read your book many years ago I interviewed you for witness magazine which we published in the 19 uh, late 1980s or middle to late 1980s and into 1990 we have followed you for many years and your ministry has just grown so from the beginning which we want you to tell us about but let's begin at the beginning um, when you were 13 your mom died and you were completely devastated and you heard a voice Briege I'll take care of you and you were already thinking about becoming a nun but all you knew about nuns was that they had all their hair cut off and you had beautiful yes. long brown <laughs> curly hair so tell us what happened Briege next
2: yes well um, my I'm one of f- five my my I had four brothers and the only girl and my mom had a cerebral hemorrhage on Christmas. She died on Christmas Day. I was thirteen, and I had a younger brother and three older. And you know, I really didn't, uh, Joan, think of nuns. I was scared of nuns because my my great uncle, I used to go be out on on a horse, you know, riding, and my my these sisters would go, nuns would come along, you know, from the missions, and my my uncle would say, this old man, he'd say. Oh, you can take this little girl with you. Oh, and I, I, I used to. And <laughs> so I probably kicked the shins off her. <laughs> um, and so my memories of them. But when my mother died, I I was in a de- I was in a terrible state because it was so sudden. We were actually at midnight mass with my dad, myself, and my older brothers. And when we we got word that she had this serpent hemorrhage and fell outside, she was mm. making breakfast. For oh, us. anyway. She um, was young, and I was, you know, a great friend at that age, 13, just of growing course. up. And then after my, after my dad said, I'd go to my aunt's, where I shared with, with lots of girls in the family. And that night, I was with one of my first cousins, who later became a Carmelite nun. Mm-hmm. And she, I was in a terrible state. But I must have fallen asleep, and I heard a voice saying, Breach don't worry i'll take care of you mm, and yes. i woke up no i thought it was my mother but oh. the very next morning at my vocation i started thinking about sisters and about nuns and my cousin who later became a nun she kept us oh, just because her mom died she was telling her her mother anyway my vocation like a little seed grew and the greatest joy joan was that when i went to my father i never told anybody I used to ask my grandmother. When I went to my father, he immediately uh, said, I said, Dad, I want to be a nun. I want to enter the convent. And I mean, at 14. Oh, my at word. high school. But my dad, I will always remember, you know, a simple Irish farmer, mm-hmm. you know, Catholic, um, you know, practicing. We, we had a, a good parents, thank God. And he said to me, Breach, if you want to go to the convent, that's fine with me because the boys will do what they want. What do I have to do for you? I said, you just have to give me a dowry oh. and, se- and give me the permission. So I entered. And I must say that looking back, I really believe that God took me in young to protect me. Mm. And, you know, I, I was very happy in the continent. It wasn't easy like fifty eight years ago, but I, I didn't understand fully, there's no way a 14-year-old no.
1: me,
2: even though it finally I got the posture and stress. But I do remember the day I made my first vow, having a flash of a shepherd. I, I never. It only came into my mind just recently. I remember for a moment, as if I saw Jesus as a shepherd walking in front of me, mm. and, and then it just I remember thinking, isn't that unusual? Anyway, I made my first vows, and it was then that I started getting the arthritis. Oh, that um, yeah,
1: your your rheumatoid arthritis.
2: Yeah, rheumatoid arthritis. I went to hospital for I was in and out for two years. I had casts on my feet. Then I I I came to you know a sister came to me and said I should go to Florida because it's great for the for the climate, which really wasn't true because no. the climate was terrible in Florida. Sure, great the humidity. Arthritis. I came to Florida, and I have to say to you and to your, all your listeners. You know, sometimes you don't understand. It's like a mosaic. The tragedy of my mom was a part that probably <clears throat> brought me to, you know, all of this. And then going to America, thinking I was going for arthritic condition, mm-hmm. I came to the United States at 21. In the, in the old habit, I still wear a habit, but, you know, it was the old uh, habit at the time. And it was the worst climate. But I was here about two years when I start not to question my faith, or my religious life. I loved my life, but I did begin to wonder when people would ask me to pray, and I was young and I was full of life, and I loved life. But I wasn't really. It, it, I felt there has to be more because people are leaving the convent, people are leaving the priesthood. There was a, you know, like a crisis. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I started to say myself you know i said all my prayers i did all i was supposed to do as a nun but i i said there must be more uh it could happen to me and it was as if the lord put a thirst you know in that psalm my soul is longing for the lord
1: yes yes i
2: i had this thirst but i didn't know what it was i need and i have to thank god that uh, a sister introduced me to at the time to charismatic renewal because i I have no clue what it was. And I heard the term, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit or renewed in the Holy Spirit or praying for the Holy Spirit. And I was very cautious. But I was born on Pentecost Sunday. And I began to hear people talk about the personal encounter with Jesus, which we would have considered not Catholic, where I live yes, in Ireland. Yes, yes. And it was then that I started searching. I said, I don't know Jesus. I love him. I do all the things. But I've never really had that zeal mm-hmm. and that enthusiasm. That if I I have a ring on my finger, I was dressed as a bride. I thought it's like not being married to somebody, but you don't really you're not really in
1: love.
2: I tell people, and I tell all the people I preached to, the healing was great, and I'll tell you what happened. But knowing and I've and personally encountering Jesus, like like the resurrection, what happened was. I said, I don't really ask for healing. I didn't want anything. I came to a point that all I wanted was to fall in love with Jesus oh, and, to that's and to fall in love with my vocation. And on the, I think it was the 9th of December, I'm always quick, at a quarter to nine on a Sunday morning in Orlando, I went to a, this uh, retreat and it was charismatic and Father Ed O'Connor from Notre Dame University was one of the speakers and Kevin Ranahan Mm-hmm. and was, you know we were having mass i vaguely remember the priest saying now pray and ask for the coming of the holy spirit i'm going to go around i'll pray with you i don't know whether it's during them after the mass but all i remember is thinking if he prays i could help. immediately another voice the second time i heard this inner voice said, no breach seek me and at that moment i put my two hands out and i said jesus please help me please Please renew me in your Holy Spirit. I just want
1: to be clear. You you heard a voice, and, and the voice said, "Bridge, seek yeah, inside me. Inside me. It wasn't a voice. Okay. Was. You know, uh-huh. it's
2: like this strong sense that you hear. bridge. you know, when I was looking at the priest, and it was as if the Lord then revealed to me, seek me, because, you know, it's very easy to get distracted with people. And, of course, in this kind of ministry I'm in, uh, Joan, I keep telling people, we're only signposts. And the priest was, the, he was doing what God called him to do. Yes. Making Jesus present through his preaching. Yes. And Jesus wanted me to focus on him, not on this instrument. Yes, yes. So at that moment, I put my, head just put my hand, as said, Jesus, please help me. And at that moment, I had a gentle touch on my head, and my whole body was healed, the soreness, the deformity. And then I jumped up. Oh. <laughs> I remember you know the more you grow i realized that i was like thomas but jesus appeared to me mm-hmm. and all i could say oh jesus i really believe in you i didn't see him physically but i did see him through through my soul and the eyes of faith yes. and i was completely convinced of my catholic faith of the I was completely convinced of everything that i learned as a child and i tell people i just fell in love with jesus and How do you keep in love is by communicating. So uh, since that time, I have never, you know, it's not a feeling. People say, oh, I don't feel it. I don't feel a thing Mm -hmm. often. But I know when I go into that tabernacle and I know that Jesus, you know, when you receive Holy Communion, Mm -hmm. that it's illuminating your interior because Jesus comes into you. So it sure did change my life.
1: Well, I think readers, uh, in order for the listeners to c- totally understand, I think you were in a wheelchair at that point in your. Feet. No,
2: I wasn't in a wheelchair. No. I was in a wheelchair in the hospital. No, I had two casts on my feet, and it too, before, I was def- my toes, my hands, my thing, but I could walk, but very slowly. Uh-huh. I was never, after I left the hospital, with the casts on my feet for every day for two years, you know, mm-hmm. at night. But no. I, I don't know where that came from but okay, I, right. was, I was the doctor told me that in a couple of months i may have to go into a wheelchair Man, but i i i, see, I, I made I it see. without it jesus got rid of the wheelchair
1: and so after that sister breeze jesus became beca- real to you you said in your in the interview uh, at a quarter to nine one sunday morning i met jesus christ Yes. And so, in, and then who said to you, did he say, I want you to go into the world and make me known?
2: No, this was, no, <coughs> that wasn't the day I was healed. When I was healed, Joan, I, um, I came home, of course, I was all excited, but I was carrying kind a of fearful. So I never said much, my community knew, the doctor cried because he had made all these kind of medicines, you know, mm-hmm. to ease my pain. But it was on Pentecost Sunday oh. it, I was healed in December. On Pentecost Sunday I was going to bed and uh, I got this idea just an idea. Wasn't there any big revelation to go into the chapel and make a holy hour. Well, the privilege of living in a convent is that I only have to go around the corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tabernacle. And so I was very hesitant it was like I was uh, you know when you get an idea and I'm sure the listeners would understand it, you get me and you think, Well, I can do it tomorrow sure. or I'll do it this impulse to go into the chapel so i, I the, it was about 11 30 probably almost uh, midnight on the of pentecost so i went in and i had no big ex- i was sitting in the chapel looking at the tabernacle and i was thinking you know well i'll, I'll just stay here with the lord and and i wasn't anything great as great as physical or spiritual sense until all of a sudden when i was there. A little while, a silence came on the chapel. And out of the silence, it was as if I heard the whole chapel saying, calling my name again, saying, Breach, I have given you my gift of healing. Go and use it.
0: Mm. Now,
2: my response, Joan, was I got down on my knees. It, it just, this power went through me like a flash out of my hands, and everything was over. There was nothing mm. spectacular in the sense. And at that moment, I said, I had to. I said, Jesus, I don't want any gift of healing. Please keep it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared because I was, old, t- and I had all these. And I thought, my principal? oh look. And you know, when you're not familiar with, you know, because I only knew of these big tent revivals and Agnes Sanford in California and all. And here I am, a little Irish Catholic nun, supposed mm-hmm. to be teaching in my classroom, and I thought. Oh, dear Jesus, I, I really don't want that. So then I said, it's my imagination, and it's pride. So I left the chapel after, but I never told anybody, because I thought, every time I went to say something, I, there was a nun at a prayer meeting for Pentecost the next day, and I was about to talk to her, and it was as if something happened. I just couldn't say it. <laughs> so I never said anything. <laughs> I, I went to California, and I was in California. I went to a prayer meeting at St. Angela Morici Church. And God has a great sense of humor because I'm sitting, I'm going out for summer school, you know, to college in California, mm-hmm. we used to go summer, and I'm at one of my concerts and I go to this, prayer, this meeting where there was a guest speaker and it was, it was a lot of people there. Now, I knew nobody's there, but I'm sitting beside this gentleman and he had a great suit, clerical collar, and he turned around to me, put his hand to me, and he said, Oh, I've never spoken to a Roman Catholic nun, but you have the gift of healing. When are you going to use it?
1: Oh, my word.
2: And I said, mm, I immediately, I thought, no, he's not a Catholic. house, he know? Which I needed healing. Jesus was showing me.
1: Isn't that you know,
2: That my own background, even though I would never have said, because I never sure. grew up non-Catholic. Sure. In sure. part of Ireland, I grew up. in. Anyway, I said to him, oh, I said, you know, um, something, Oh, I couldn't made some excuse, and then he just looked at me, he listened to me, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, what happened to you in your chapel? And I thought he was a mind controller. I kept thinking, how does he know? <laughs> so I told him, and he said, looked at me very clearly, I can see his eyes, and so he said, Jesus never forces anybody, but he does reveal his will. That's mm. up to you. Mm. And I never saw him. He left, and it was later at college that people kept saying, you have a gift in your hands. But anyway, I eventually came back to Florida, and I kept saying, Jesus, you tell the people, I'll do the praying. <laughs> and that's what happened. And uh, I look at it now. I went on teaching, but uh, I, flew, I used to go out on weekends and speak. And I, I'm glad I met Mother Angelica, because after I got the gift of healing, I I was a kind of concerned, you know, of all the answers you have to have because I knew nothing about it mm-hmm. and I went to Mother Angelica, there was no EWTN then and there was no, she was just was just five nuns there at the yes. time
1: Yes, and
2: uh, I used to stay with them and I would then I remember I was out really seeing, you know, begging and had all these books with me that I was going to learn all about healing and Mother Angelica took me by the hand up in front of the monstrance and she said Sister Breach, you don't don't copy anybody's styles or what God did in other people's lives is not you. Jesus is your teacher, and he alone is the healer. And if you spend time with Jesus, he will teach you everything you need to know.
1: Oh, how beautiful.
2: And that's how it, and then, of course, he led me into the Holy Eucharist. Showed
1: how beautiful. America. Before we go into the Holy Eucharist, I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with Sister Breege McKenna. Uh, the author of "Miracles Do Happen" uh, who has traveled around the world, uh, preaching and teaching, uh, is is in in conjunction with Father Kevin Scallon, which will will include him in a minute. But Sister has the gift of healing, and she at first refused it. And or didn't acknowledge it, and now a, a stranger came along, sitting next to her at a prayer meeting, and told her that she had the gift of healing. The Lord will, will go to all lengths to to tell us to show us His will. And so you, was Mother Angelica, led you to the tabernacle, and then from there, Sister, your ministry began to focus on the Eucharist.
2: Yes. Well, I, I, I know you know I've always I've always been very you know to the eucharist and i'm a sister of saint Clair and one of our great icons is Saint Clair holding the monstrance because she had she was like a living monster she had such great love for jesus in the eucharist and and you know the story so it wasn't something extraordinary in a way and neither was it with the ministry of healing because saint Clare had the gift of healing and it was my mother general and my counselors that pointed this out to me away in the beginning when i started the ministry mm-hmm. said you no, this isn't something outside of the our charism this charism was Claire had
1: sure so I
2: yeah. said well I'm not saying Claire but I'm delighted because they give me total freedom and, uh, and support my ministry well then I, I always worried I went to Lourdes to really ask Our Lady uh, Joan because the fe- I, the fear I had after I became known was that you become like a, a celebrity mm-hmm. and, you know mm-hmm. like a false God yes. or people start treating you differently and I thought my mission is not to be famous my mission is not my mission is to make jesus famous yes it's yes ministered for jesus and you know who are we were just like a straw you know we just bring the drink of living water we don't we're not the living water mm-hmm. but anyway i went to the Lord, and i pray i was begging our lady This was away in the beginning of the ministry at the grotto Please keep me in the heart of the Catholic Church. I didn't want to be on the fringes.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't
2: want to be. I, I begged her to help me to decrease and to help me to poke, focus on Jesus. And I came back to America, and I certainly believe that two things happened in the ministry. The first one is that dear Father Rick Thomas, who used to work in Warriors, you've probably heard of him.
1: Yes, I've heard the <laughs> name.
2: Yeah, he invited me, and I went, he invited me out to minister uh, to the poor in Juarez where he was and it was there that I was really overcome by the poverty and but the radiance of the people and they were full of joy and I kept thinking we're going to have mass in this garbage dump what do these people know about the socks? and there I I was standing when Father Rick you know he had a wonderful love for, for Jesus and the Holy Eucharist he believed that you can't just feed the poor with the bread and all that, but you have to feed their soul. Yes. And that when you feed their soul, it is amazing the miracles God will do in the lives of people. So he said to me, They don't know you preach, you just um, come and just pray with them after communion. Mm-hmm. And I was at communion, first of all, when the Eucharist was celebrated, I, for a, in a flash, were all prostrate on the dirt at the consecration and I tell the story in my book it's too long to tell but the little boy being carried in who was all sores, burnt and he was at the altar laying under the altar because we had nothing to give him there was no doctors and the, a woman brought it because she found the smoldering now he was under this uh, little table we were having mass outside on a, a dump and at the consecration of the mass I was standing to the side and when I opened my eyes I looked out and everybody was prostrate and I looked up at the host and I know it was interior but it's true of course. I saw Jesus with his two hands out in the host, saying, Come to me all you who are weary and find life heart and at that moment the people raised their heads and looked at the sacred host and I remember the Shaziva Christ and I'm looking at them, Joan, looking, and I knew that these poor people knew that it was Jesus, yes. that it was the living Jesus they were looking at, that the King of Kings had come down to their dump, The no churches, and they were poor, but they had the King. And at that Mass, this little boy was healed during the Mass, and then I saw Down Syndrome. It was as if God put on a spectacular Show. I hadn't prayed with anybody. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who I was. It was me that was there looking at what Jesus was doing. And I was there for hours afterward. And the people weren't surprised because this woman said, but didn't Jesus come? Didn't Jesus come to us? Father Rick has told us, uh, told us all about Jesus coming in the Eucharist. And they were so open. So that night is when I went back to to war across the border into El Paso. And the Jesus, um, I woke up at three o'clock. I was very, I was disturbed, but not a bad disturbance. It's disturbance you have when you know. It, why would I, all my life, go to daily mass? <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I, I, I see these people and how they're present, not just physically, but 100% present to Jesus there mm-hmm. and open. So it was then that I heard the Lord saying to me it, again at the side of my bed. I was kneeling in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, and I heard Jesus saying "I brought you here because I want you to realize that people come to all kinds of people like you. They travel the world to see signs and wonders, but I'm on the altars of the world, and I want to go into the world, and I want you to preach." The,
1: the, the power of peace oh how beautiful sister how beautiful that was the b- very beginning of the your, the eucharistic uh, apostolate that is so yes
2: and <laughs> then i met father Kevin. oh that that was beautiful
1: because he had something a okay so sister uh, we're going uh, to th- we're going to take a short break everyone and we'll be back with Sister Breeze momentarily to talk about the Eucharistic uh, apostolate that is still going and uh, where they, she and Father Kevin minister around the world.
0: of christ i think if you're a man and if you're catholic and especially if you're a father this is the place you need to be every year march 10th at milwaukee's miller high life theater this conference does a great job of really encouraging men to pursue Christ-like manliness. Featuring Tim Staples, Father Robert Spitzer, Father Cliff Ermatinger, and Dave Durand. Every year I learn a little bit something and it just helps me become a better father, better husband. More than 3,000 men at the largest Catholic men's conference in the nation, worshiping our Lord at Mass, Adoration, Confession, the Rosary, and Stations of the Cross. It's almost a mini retreat all within a day. Persevering Through the Storm, the 12th annual Men of Christ Conference. I think God calls men to be uh, spiritual leaders. Learn more and get your tickets at menofchrist.net. That's menofchrist.net. Come, you'll find it to be a tremendously enriching day. It's a spiritual shot in the arm. Products not available in all states. Hello, I'm Scott Hahn from
2: Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. Catholic Radio is essential for the new evangelization. It reaches people who are not necessarily going to darken the doorways of a local parish, but they'll be driving by, and you can recommend it. You can even turn it on when you got a passenger
0: in the car. Catholic Radio deserves your support as well. Not only your prayer support, but also your financial aid. So I encourage you all, get involved and spread the word. God bless you. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
1: Hello and welcome back. We're talking with Sister Breege McKenna, uh, Sister of St. Clair, who is the author of Miracles Do Happen that has been translated into so many languages. And for those who are just joining, Sister just told the story of going to a mass in Juarez, Mexico, I believe, where in this garbage dump where a boy was severely, severely burned and uh, crippled and uh, they laid him in front of the altar and during mass he was miraculously healed. That was just the beginning of Sister Breesia's experience of seeing people healed. Uh, Then she met father Kevin Scallon, and now they have been ministering to priests all over the world So sister would you tell us about the beginning of your ministry? And now some of the healings you have experienced of the Lord how he heals his priests and and others, too
2: Yes um, Well first of all, um, I'd say that after this experience with the Euclisten wars I realized that um, what Our Lady had fulfilled my request, because uh, there's no doubt that Our Lady, in, when I went on that pilgrimage to Our Lady, that was the very thing that she brought me to her own son to show me that I was just an instrument. So it was in 19, um, I think it was 1986, 87, uh, no, 76, that I met um, Father Kevin Scallon. I knew that his family. But he was beginning a ministry um, for priests because he was at a college and he he was seeing what was happening. He'd been in Africa. And he started this program for priests. And the very day he started it, 44 years, 44th one this year, he, um, at the college, and it was called Intercession for Priests. And somebody had said to me, I should go and see him. And little did I know, anyway, I met him. And I had seen time I was in Mother Angelicas, I had gotten the sense that God was going to send the priest and that he would teach me much about the priesthood I had already had this revelation about Jesus brought me this beautiful experience of the the inside of what an ordination is in heaven's view and I had this wonderful encounter so when I heard Father Kevin speak, was uh, also in a ministry to priests and I had this revelation and this desire to pray for priests and so I went to see him, and it was at that intercession program that we, I ministered some time there to some priests, was very few in the beginning, and then we started getting invitations, but separately, I get invitations to Korea, to Japan, different places. But he did too, as a priest, for a different purpose, and the charismatics were inviting me, and but the two of us said, why are we going to this... <coughs> excuse me, the same place. And we we got the blessing of our mother my mother general giving me a special blessing and Father Kevin's Father General in Rome and they sent us out. So we went as a team. And I'll tell you, um, Joan, that talk about God teaching me because I realized then that with Father Kevin's wonderful, wonderful Vincentian charism for giving missions and caring for priests, that of us began to uh, minister to priests, we went around the world. And the renewal program that he started, very small in All Hallows in Dublin, mm-hmm. is now that uh, we have been around the world several times mm. in over 120 countries, in the most out little islands the Pacific Ocean, in all over Africa, Asia, and we use the same pro- type of a program, but it's all built on holiness and spiritual renewal for the priesthood and we do a lot of personal ministry and we like we have he father kevin then gathered a team of priests around him and he always is a core group so it's permanently now in england and hungary and poland and germany and ireland and so that's part of what we do we're knowing and, and forgiving you know retreats and conferences and priests, and priests. then as well as that we give parish missions, because that's part of the charism of, of Vincentian, mm-hmm. you know, St. Vincent de Paul, and he's one of the Vincentian uh, priests. So we give parish missions, and we often, in countries, if we're giving a priest retreat, we'll have one day uh, for the laity just, and a big, we've been in stadiums with 40,000, 50,000, wow. and Esther Cove with 300,000, and you would think, how could you possibly minister to 300,000? you know one of the beautiful things that Father Kevin introduced into this ministry was the Eucharistic Healing Services mm-hmm. we were ministering in Korea to the bishops and Father Kevin said how do you minister to these bishops you know but 17 so we exposed the Blessed Sacrament and then we would take each bishop up in front of Jesus we'd stand behind them afterwards, we'd spoke and we'd pray and then we started doing it for it's, with the laity where Father would like benediction, like to do in lure And I would pray at the microphone and healing starts taking place. Conversion starts taking place. Uh, like, I'll give you a couple of examples, Joan. That would we be were, good. We were in in, in in Asia. I'm not sure which, which because we've been so many, but I'll remember the event. I think it was Taiwan. And we had um, a daughter Charlie charity arranged. We were going to have a healing service, just a Eucharistic, not Mass, ran, a Eucharistic healing service mm-hmm. in Taiwan. And I was up there, and what I do in this book, we had a good interpreter, she was a German, really good at English, and I'm saying to the people, after I told them all about, this is Jesus. Well, now I took it, they were all Catholics, you know, because, I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't a big crowd, because there's not an awful lot of Christians in, in these countries, but there was the full of a, um, a big hall, Anyway, I was saying to him, now this host is Jesus. It's not a symbol, and it's not just blessed, but this is the same Jesus, glorified now, and he loves you. And I'm saying all this, and I said, you know, he wants you to talk to Him. He's alive. And as Father's walking slowly around with the monstrous blessing, things, all of a sudden, there's all these tube chairs you know, that make a noise, yeah. and the chairs start, the people start falling on their knees. And the German translator beside me, in English, said to me in the middle of this prayer, she said, oh my God, she said, Sister Breach, they're all Buddhist. Oh my. <laughs> a big group of Buddhists came. And they came because, you know, they're always looking for, they, they love many of the, the, the Catholic things, but they don't have the faith. Yes. And a nun brought them because she was a social worker. And she had all these Buddhists that she attended to because they tend to everybody, and, and they were sick or needed. And she thought, well, I'd bring them to this healing service is, uh, with Sister Breach and Father Kevin. But what they got, do you know what they kept saying? We know that's alive because we feel something as it came close to us. They, d- they couldn't put a name,
1: mm. but the new
2: the post was a person.
1: Oh, my. Oh, my. All these and Buddhists.
2: Then another miracle that happened. Was in Singapore, and uh, there was a young. Uh, we the, the Archbishop said to Father Kevin, "Beautiful, art, we're after giving a retreat for about a hundred and some priests from Singapore and Asia that come." And the Archbishop at the time, Archbishop Young, said, to, um, "the the Charismatics and people wanted to but have a conference or have have a healing service in the stadium. Uh, so the stadium you're only allowed indoors. You're not allowed in these places." have it outdoors because they treat the Muslims, the Hindus, the Christians they don't make, you know if you do it for one, but they give them permission, there's freedom for religion but they had to have it in an indoor stadium, so it could only hold about 4,000 instead say 5,000 so that we had two different days but on that day the bishop said to Kevin well we can't have mass for these people Father Kevin said you don't need mass we we will have the Blessed Circle, a procession a Eucharistic procession into the stadium and we'll have uh, the healing service. Well, Joan, all the florists from Singapore, anybody if you're listening has been to Singapore, you know, it's a beautiful little place, it's not very big country. Mm-hmm. They had they built an altar and all these little girls dressed and boys and they walked in, the Blessed sacrament. came in and they put it on this just a sea of roses and flowers mm-hmm. and it was up with a big crown of light hanging over the monsters it was the most beautiful oh. thing I've ever seen, they, they really did a bit. so then uh, it was a big uh, uh, was quite a big building so Father Kevin started the Eucharistic healing service, we worshipped and they praised God, well you can imagine there were many people there there was a man beside me who, who was a Muslim and he, he was so moved because it wasn't we were trying to control i always say to cats to people look at i don't ask you to believe what i believe but if i'm a catholic and this is what i say this is my faith mm-hmm. and this is what catholics believe yes don't believe they're not catholic that this is the real presence of jesus body blood soul and divinity so i talk to them and i tell them you know it's not a feeling and you it's jesus and i pray for the gift of faith but this is why i'm telling you. well he, this man sitting beside, uh, sitting beside me. Said, "I have never experienced. This has been the most overwhelming encounter of love for me." because oh. he felt the host, the love that Jesus has. For him. So, also that day, uh, there was um, a a per a dent- I think it was a dentist or a doc who had come to Singapore on on for a holiday, or or was living there, or practicing there. And she had a terrible accident when she was in London. When mm-hmm. she was from she was brought back. And she was bent over. She was very serious. Things. And at the healing center, she was completely healed. So those are some. Then back here in the United States, I mean, uh, we've seen many, many. And, you know, I don't keep account of them all. I, I just heard recently of a man who was healed of lupus. I met a man in the Carolinas who had only a couple of months to live, and he came to pick us up. We were giving a conference, and he said to Father Kev, the other miracle where we see miracles happening, Joan, is that confession. Father Kev and myself were out in, uh, out by Minnesota, and one of the first big miracles that we saw as a team giving missions was that there was always confession on the first night. Mm -hmm. And on the first night of the mission. People come for healing because they think, you know, or well, Sister Breach is there, and all the charismatics came. But the Father has always believed, always said in the missions, that the first great sacrament, the first sacrament that Jesus gave to us as the as the benefit and as the the beauty of His passion, death, and resurrection, was when He breathed on the apostles to f- forgive sin. Mm-hmm. We This was the fruit of what Jesus got for us we would be give, forgiven sin so he always puts confession the first night whether it's priest retreats or parish missions mm-hmm. and we so the first night of this mission and we have healing services and all the first night always confession and the church was packed because people thought well sister breach is here but that night a gentleman came we only found out later with this little child that he wanted she she had a learning disability The church was packed, and he wasn't able to see Sister Breach, but he heard the announcements, and we spoke about the beauty of meeting Jesus in confession, that he's real, like he said to St. Faustina. The priest is a screen, but I'm there. If you come, you're coming to me. So the the following day, Father Kevin, they heard confession for hours. The following morning, Father Kevin got a phone call, and it was to say, that they wanted to talk to him because this man came not to go to confession not to to, but to bring his daughter he didn't see me but he thought i should really go to confession and he had a withered leg from polio and Joan, after confession the next morning he began to experience something in his paralyzed leg you know just dead Mm -hmm. and before the mission ended his leg was perfect. Oh,
1: how beautiful!
2: And that happened at the same. So we see uh, the same with the United States. So what? It, what has happened in my ministry is that I now see what I tell people and what I hear Father Kevin saying all the time: the seven sacraments are doors. When you open the door of each sacrament, Jesus is there for a different. Oh, house.
1: I love that!
2: Yes. I love that. And so we both we're getting on now. We don't go. You know, we've been. Like, to next week, we're we'll going to Germany, and then we go to England, and then we go to Hungary. The summertime is our busiest time for clergy, mm-hmm. and we give parish missions during Lent. We have one mission in Ireland when we go home because we couldn't get out because of the snow. <coughs> so we have to get back and give it. But that's how the ministry, and so now um, we both are doing what the Lord sent us to do,
1: Yes, and
2: yes. we're slowing down a little bit, you know, because we don't go to Africa. And Sure. Australia and all these countries, because it's too long of a journey now. I mean, if if you calculate, I'm 57 years. Or Amazing. In the convent. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, not, and Father Kevin is nearly 60 years ordained.
1: How so beautiful. Sister, May I just oh, tell, may I just tell the listeners that <coughs> if you're listening and you're loving what you're hearing, you can call you can reach um, sister by uh, uh, on the web by prayer at sisterbreege.com if you have a prayer request or you can go if you have a question or want to talk about something info at sisterbreege.com or there's a phone number for the office 727 786 3821 and you can give your consent. Also the
2: website Joan is you know they can look at the schedule sure. and, and just look at on the for the books I have a book out on the power of the sacraments as well
1: Oh beautiful so the and website is www.sisterbreeze.com and um the book the power of the sacraments and can we can we order those through you Sister? Yes
2: you, yes you can order them I am um, I'm not sure where I'm not in the book business Joan. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I spring. know but uh, Jackie will tell you. But I think you can you can order them through our office, or we'd put you in touch with um, wh- whoever is, uh, I don't really know who's publishers are. It's but it's very very popular. It's an Anthony Press, maybe we find out.
1: All right. So and I want I'm reminded here to spell your name. It's B R I E G E. Yes, Sister Breeze.
2: My email is all full, Sister Small breach
1: so you'll reach her so sister can you talk about some the, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist has been my passion and love since I've been small um, what would you say to the young people out there who might tune in and might be listening you know uh, early teen years or growing up they're 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 barely going to church what would you say to them about
2: but I I tell I often say to young people you know the blessed sacrament you know first of all you can't believe in the eucharist you can't you don't have a relation if you don't pray and you can you know to 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 pray first of all when people begin to pray and to pray to the holy spirit or pray in you know by and making the effort of course if you're catholic to go to mass Mm
1: -hmm. you know because
2: that's an obligation jesus we don't go to mass because jesus needs us we go to mass because the Mass is the victory of our salvation. It's, and so I say to young people, and I, I notice in many places, though, so that are growing, like through um, the youth, you know, uh, movement, that young people love. Like, I'm a big uh, uh, fan of, well, I say fan, but I go to Medjugorje a lot. And mm-hmm. I know people may say, oh, it's not approved. But for 37 years, and that was the request that the priest made to me where he said he couldn't get young people to go to church. And I prayed with him, and, and God revealed to me that the church was going to be packed with young people. I had no idea Medjugorje hadn't happened. And I got this in Rome when I was praying with this priest. Now I look, and in Medjugorje, there are thousands of young people sitting before the Blessed but I was there one Corpus Christi, and there were loads of young Americans who were just sitting transfixed. Uh, just gazing at Jesus because you know it's like um, the sun you don't have to people think well what do you do when you set at adoration all you have to do is to go out into the sun if you're living in Florida where I live I got a sunburn I did nothing mm-hmm. I just sat mm-hmm. the sun thinking this is wonderful and I got burnt We well, see when we sit before the blessed sacrament Joan I tell young people as well mm-hmm. if you just said, Jesus I just don't believe but I want to believe you know Prayer is like, it's, it's, it's what gives you faith. Divine faith is nurtured through prayer. Human faith is when you look at all these secular things, when you go to satisfy, you think, this is going to help me. This, and I put my faith in things, or even in people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And read, what but divine faith comes through a relationship with Jesus. And you say, how do you get that? Just talk to him. Have an image of Jesus in your home. Just go to a church. Go and just sit. And every Catholic church has a tabernacle. And every Catholic church that functions has has the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Just go. And even if you say, well, I have no feelings. You know, Jesus is inviting people. And that's why we have in the Catholic church the come home program. He doesn't care. I meet people. I have ministered to more people dying of AIDS. Who lived terrible life who lived you know in an awful sinful life and and i just say to them you know the only thing you need to do it doesn't matter what you did in life it doesn't matter you, we all make mistakes we all are sinners but the humility to say i'm wrong if you're living with say a very sac- uh, uh, an active sexual life if you're living you know contrary to what the teachings of jesus then all you have to do is what Peter did say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I love you I, so I ask people young people, I say, are you happy doing what you're doing, you know or you're whatever, you're, and do you feel sorry, especially when they're some sickness, you know some mm-hmm. disease or they're, they're, they're very and I, I feel the Lord's love for them and I say to them you know, there's only one thing you ha- the difference in a person just dying of something is to be able to say I'm sorry, Jesus. That's very I consoling,
1: sister. That's very beautiful. Yeah, and you
2: know, many of them become saints. Many of them are totally, uh, because once you open your life and accept the first requirement Jesus said to the woman who was in sin, he didn't say, you know, uh, uh, go, you know, I forgive you, nobody has condemned you. But he said, go and sin no more. Sister, that she that is
1: so beautiful. And we, all, with only a, a little over a minute left, We have people who have emailed us and who have um, phoned in, texted in for prayers, and you. um, So, Sister, would you um, consider? Let me say a prayer right now, Joe. Thank you.
2: Lord Jesus, I just thank you for every person who is listening, for those who wrote in, who sent emails. Jesus, you are not limited by distance or time because you are God. You alone, Jesus, have the power to heal. So I pray for all the listeners and those who requested prayer speci- for special intentions. Heal them today. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Jesus, upon them. Give them a real desire to know you, Jesus, because to know you is to love you, and to love you is to really trust our lives and trust our lives to you. I ask you, Mary, our mother and queen, in this month of May, intercede for all your children, and do what you did at the wedding feast. Ask Jesus to change our lives and heal them and help us to listen to what you said, to do whatever he tells us. And I ask all the great saints, St. Saint John and all, and all the saints, my own sinner, to intercede for my brothers and sisters. Amen. Thank you, sister.
1: You. Thank you very much. God bless you. We love you. Bye.
0: Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455.